After several years, the stone monkey returned to somewhere on Earth. The exact whereabouts of that lost city has been, been a mystery, mystery for hundreds of years. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Indiana Jones Universe, a podcast in which we learn more about the character of Indiana Jones, exploring other content in the Indiana Jones Universe. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Max. And thanks for joining us for episode 44, in which today we're going to be talking about the forgotten adventures of Indiana Jones. Now, what do we mean by this? Um, well, before Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, and Crystal Skull became the movies that they are today, Lucas and Spielberg had considered a lot of other ideas for Indiana Jones adventures, and some of them even had scripts created. So today, we're going to talk about some of the adventures that are gone but not forgotten, so to speak, uh, as well as comic and video game ideas uh, that also were introduced but never uh, got produced or published, unfortunately. So uh, if you're a fan of behind-the-scenes stuff and wonder about some Indiana Jones adventures, uh, that were in the works, but unfortunately uh, never came to be. This is the episode for you as we dive into a lot of interesting uh, ideas for some of the movies, as well as the expanded universe adventures as well. Uh, now, we will not be talking about the unproduced episodes from Young Indiana Jones. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with that, uh, when the show got canceled, there were actually a ton of episodes uh, that were going to be produced. Uh, so we're actually going to do an entirely separate episode uh, once we actually finish our review of the show. It's specifically focused on the unproduced episodes of Young Indy. Uh, so with that, uh, let's jump right into our first one here, Indiana Jones and the Lost World. Yes, Indiana Jones and the Lost World. Very interesting name, but actually, this was the first idea for Temple of Doom. It was set in Africa and China, and uh, was kind of, it basically uh, involved Indy finding kind of a hidden valley of lost dinosaurs and having a bit of an action sequence on the Great Wall of China. Yeah, so this was the first idea for Temple of Doom. Uh, and actually, one thing to note about this is Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, was always known as Raiders. And what I mean by that is uh, the actual same premise of the story was always the same. Uh, so although there were different script revisions and deleted scenes and things that changed over the years, the general idea of Raiders has always been the same. So when we talk about sort of these different adventures, we're talking about ideas that were kind of their own entity, so to speak. Uh, and Indiana Jones and Lost World is the first example of that, be being completely different from what we know as Temple of Doom. And yeah, like you mentioned, uh, this was going to be Indy finding a hidden valley of lost dinosaurs, which sounds really fascinating, by the way. I'm curious as to what they were going to do with this. Was this going to be like Indy trying to travel back in time or this sort of like lost island that had dinosaurs living on it in the present day. Kind of a brand new idea that's introduced when I think about some of the elements that bring together an Indiana Jones movie. This seems very different and original. Yes, yes it does. I mean, you know, they also, there was the possibility of Abner and Marion coming back, which is very, very interesting because we never even meet Abner. We just, he's mentioned. Um, so that'd be very, very interesting. And also, you know, this, I wonder if this is how Spielberg came up with Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's another thing I was thinking about as well. Uh, because of this idea of like dinosaurs, um, is maybe this how he came up with Jurassic Park? That would be really cool to know. And you know, one of the things I find so interesting about this is keep in mind, the only adventure we've seen so far is Raiders of the Lost Ark at this time. 
And this idea of bringing together dinosaurs through an Indiana Jones movie, to me, feels a lot different than some of the other traditions and elements that are in all these Indiana Jones adventures and that what makes indie indie. You know, this feels a lot different. I'm curious as to whether I would have liked it or not. And supposedly no script was ever made for this. And it was just more of an idea. And uh, due to high expenses and... Uh, they didn't allow actually them to shoot this motorcycle chase in the Great Wall of China. Uh, so the idea got shelved pretty quickly, but still kind of interesting in terms of bringing in this new element of dinosaurs. I think it could be kind of cool, but also very different from what we know as indie. Yes, it would have been very, very different. You know, I think the dinosaurs would have been very, very interesting in this movie because, you know, Jurassic Park kind of, you know, it has that big dinosaur kind of, you know, really, you know, sci-fi feel. And so if this had come out with dinosaurs as, you know, kind of the main thing and then Jurassic Park had also came out, that would have been kind of like two movies almost clashing together. They wouldn't, I don't think they would have worked very well. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see, like, would have Spielberg come out with Jurassic Park as well, or was this kind of his idea for that? I still think it would have been very fascinating to see, like, what characters would involve, and where do they even get this idea as well? Um, and the one other thing that's very interesting about this uh, idea, and the first thing that jumped out at me when I found out about this a few years ago, is this idea of a motorcycle chase across the Great Wall of China, which just screams Indiana Jones, right? An awesome action set piece. And speaking of that, how were they planning on pulling this off? Because if you think about it, this is the 1980s, and we know that Harrison Ford is a very physical actor. Uh, you know, there's lots of physical stunts and practical effects, and George Lucas loves the authenticity of real locations and, you know, sort of the extravagance of all those uh, sort of fight scenes, you know, the desert chase and raiders. So, I mean, I can only guess they would have put the pedal to the metal on this one <laughs> and just had this motorcycle flying down the Great Wall of China, which obviously uh, I would have been curious to see, like, how are they going to do this and kind of come up with this idea? Really cool idea that unfortunately never did make it into any indie content. Unfortunately, no. That would have been fun to see. Also, how would have they gotten the motorcycle on top of the Great Wall of China? Are they just going to hire a big crane just to lift a motorcycle for one scene? Yeah, that would have been <laughs> interesting as well. How are they planning on getting that on there? That's really cool. Um, obviously, as we know, Lucas uh, did get to film on the Great Wall of China for young Indy. Alas, there were no motorcycles involved, so that was oh, probably why for that. Yeah, and you know, say what you want about Journey of Radiance, but definitely some of the top um, sort of actual on-location shooting in the entire show. Those shots of India and China were just absolutely fantastic. Uh, oh. So yeah, they definitely had that sort of feel of going to those real places, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and you know, I wonder if the motorcycle chase, since it w never came to fruition in Temple of Doom, if, you know, since they weren't able to f uh, film in the Great Wall of China, I wonder if that's why it was added into what we know as Last Crusade today. Oh, that's interesting as well. Yeah, this idea of a motorcycle chase. Very interesting as well. Like, maybe this kind of carried over into Last Crusade with that. That's a great scene, by the way, from Last Crusade. And so, yeah, that is kind of cool. Like, just this idea of different vehicles, right? We see the truck, you know, there's a motorcycle chase, the airplanes. That's a that's a definitely an interesting thing to consider. And uh, speaking of Last Crusade, let's move on to uh, some of the ideas for that movie. Um, Temple of Doom comes out in 1984. Uh, Last Crusade comes out in 1989. And there was this five-year period in which... Two other ideas were heavily considered for the movie. The first one, Indiana Jones and the Haunted Castle. Yes, and you know, this is kind of what a 19... This, the style of this movie was going to be a 1930s uh, horror movie involving ghosts and this haunted castle. And, you know, uh, 
it's possible that this is actually what Mass of Evil is from Young Indy, which we have not reviewed yet, but if you guys have seen it, you'll understand what I mean. Uh, Mass of Evil kind of is about this big haunted castle, and, you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but just basically it's it's evil and a very dark horror-ish movie, and this is kind of, you know, judging from what we know about this, this is kind of what it, this movie was going to be. I completely agree with that. I've always thought about that as well. Every time I watch Masks of Evil, I'm always curious. Was this sort of Lucas's interpretation of his idea for Last Crusade? Uh, there was no script made for this, so it's not known if Dracula was involved or kind of any other details about this story. But this idea of the haunted castle is definitely fleshed out in uh, Masks of Evil from Young Indy, especially with all that's going on there as well. Very interesting. Um, we do have that small Castle Brunewald scene in Last Crusade, which might be a little bit of an ode to this as well. Um, but uh, the reason this didn't go on is Spielberg did not really want a dark movie. He wanted something a little bit more lighthearted, hence why we have Last Crusade. Um, and yeah, so that's unfortunately why this never made it. But still interesting to think about, are there some hints of this in other movies? And going back to Mass of Evil, since Spielberg was not involved in, you know, the making of Young Indy, that is maybe why Mass of Evil was there, because, you know, Lucas wanted the idea, Spielberg didn't, Spielberg is out of the picture for Young Indy, Lucas is like, oh, I'm gonna do this now. <laughs> right, exactly. That is a good point you bring up. Like, was this his chance to do this Haunted Castle? And actually, speaking of Haunted Castles, uh, he was so fixated on this idea that he actually used the idea from that movie as the prologue for the next idea for Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and the Monkey King, which was written by Chris Columbus. Uh, kind of a great name there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this was the second idea for Last Crusade, which starts off with a prologue that involves Indy traveling to Scotland in 1937 in a haunted castle, uh, which is kind of an awesome prologue there. Yeah, I'm surprised the prologue is, you know, not Indy sailing on a ship trying to find uh, a shorter way to India. Anyway, uh, right. <laughs> um, yes, it, you know, Haunted Castle was kind of that entire movie uh, that was, or that idea was kind of, you know, the prologue to this movie, which actually did have a script written for it. And, you know, it kind of starts off here with when Indy goes to Africa with a zoologist named Claire Clark and goes on the quest for the Garden of Immortal Peaches, whatever those are. Um, and one of Indy's students, Betsy, uh, who has a little bit of a crush on Indy, uh, secretly follows him. Yeah, so this was a very interesting movie idea that brings a lot of new elements uh, into this. So, of course, we have that haunted castle at the beginning, uh, but Claire Clark is a brand new character, and they go on this adventure together for this quest of the Garden of Immortal Peaches, which is kind of similar to the Holy Grail, like kind of a similar artifact in that sort of respect. Um, and yeah, so uh, one of Indy's students would secretly follow him along, which I guess would bring a new element to the movies. That's kind of interesting. Um, Indy would also have interactions with some Japanese pirates and a Nazi general who had a mechanical arm. Uh, some people may know that actually Major Tote from Raiders originally was supposed to have a mechanical arm, uh, but that unfortunately didn't actually uh, get into the final cut of the film, and it was supposed to be used in this uh, movie here, uh, but actually did end up getting used in the book Mystery of Mount Sinai, if you've read that one. I think that was 2009 when that came out, so right after Crystal Skull. Uh, so kind of cool to see how they've always wanted to use that idea of sort of a villain with a mechanical arm in all of these movies, and was also being used there as well. Um, and the ending for this movie is very interesting. Uh, at the Battle of Sun Wuking, there's a scene in which Indy actually dies and is brought back to life, which kind of reminds me of an opposite ending of what we would have seen in Last Crusade. How do you feel about this idea of introducing sort of Indy dying and coming back to life here? 
Yeah, you know, this is a very weird ending. I don't like it because, you know, here's the thing. You can't just have the character die. Even if he's brought back to life, that's just really kind of weird. And you're right, it is the opposite of what happens in Last Crusade. But come on, you don't have the main character die and be brought back to life. I mean, you know, Indy looks, you know, as we reviewed in our sound, in our um, young Indy reviews, Indy is, you know, wounded or he almost gets shot uh, when he's in the trenches, uh, you know, in the war years. But um, he doesn't actually die or get wounded at all. He just is there and, you know, basically uh, sur just survives it barely, which sh is what should have happened here. But instead, Indy actually literally dies and is brought back to life. It's very, very weird that they had to include that. Yeah, well, that's an interesting perspective. I think a lot of people would agree with you. I kind of want to learn a little bit more about this. I find that to be very interesting, this idea of kind of Indy sac... Well, I guess not sacrificing himself, but he dies in the end there and is brought back to life, which I think would, yeah, lead a lot of sort of controversy, like you said. I mean, he's the main character. Indy's very heroic in these first two movies. And, you know, him dying at the end, like, what kind of ending is that? Like, <laughs> definitely, I think you brought up a good point, but I would like to learn more about that. There is a script for this. Actually, um, uh, the website, theraider.net, actually, uh, a couple years ago, they had a great article in which someone decided to uh, look up this script and kind of, like, break it down, like, line by line, um, and talks about a lot of the elements of this script. So this is kind of the main summary of it. But if you want to learn more in depth about it, uh, you definitely have that option as well. And, um... There were uh, lots of versions of the script with many character changes, and they were really developing this over a few years. Um, but some things actually from this movie did carry over to Last Crusade, though. Yes, yeah, some of them did. The Venice boat chase and the tank sequence were actually originally in this script and were brought over to Last Crusade. Now, if they were the exact same in this script as they are in Last Crusade, I don't know. I've never read the script. I would be very interested to. But uh, I've never read the script. And also another scene which is very interesting in this movie is Indy plays a giant game of chess, kind of similar to what happens in the first Harry Potter movie. Yeah, uh, if you uh, break down the script, actually, there's a really interesting uh, scene in which uh, Indy kind of plays this giant game of chess, very similar to, I guess, what would happen in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which, by the way, is a great scene from that movie. I love that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure where that idea came from, but it was supposedly going to be included here. Um, and yeah, so unfortunately they didn't end up going with this movie for Last Crusade. Um, one, because it was going to be very, very expensive to be able to pull this off. They were going to be shooting in lots of different places. Um, I'm not sure the full details for it, but uh, also uh, Spielberg and Lucas were kind of very aware of the issues involving cultural stereotypes uh, that they received from Temple of Doom, and Spielberg really wanted to avoid that and move into something completely different, uh, and certainly they did with this idea of the Holy Grail and Indiana's father. Um, I love learning about these ideas for these original movies because... Indiana Jones and the Monkey King is so different from Last Crusade and sort of how did they come up with this idea and how did that lead to their uh, kind of the end result in, in Last Crusade. But there's a lot here that's very, very interesting. And to me, I kind of like to see this movie. I'm not going to lie. After reading this and learning about it all these years, I think it would be very, very cool to see this maybe even in a video game or something. Like, what would this really be like? I think it would add a brand new perspective to Indy that we really haven't seen in a lot of these other movies, especially with that ending scene as well. Yeah, it is very, very interesting. It would be very interesting to see this. I don't know if I would have liked this movie if it had come out. Um, you know, I'd have to read the script and then I could tell you. But, I mean, I think it would have been interesting from what we know about it to, you know, maybe see what this would have been like. I think it would have been more of, like, uh, you know, a Temple of Doom-ish style of movie. It wouldn't have... It would have 
you know, kind of, you know, review, uh, you know, probably received the same type of rating. So not as good as, you know, Raiders or Last Crusade, but also not as bad as Crystal Skull. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this definitely would have had a little bit of controversy among fans, especially with some of these scenes that are in there, like we said, that are kind of very different from what we think of as Indiana Jones. And then, of course, yeah, some of the issues involving cultural stereotypes, of course, is not something that I think uh, would have been nice to add in this movie at all. Um, so I do agree with you that this movie does have its downsides, but still very interesting to think about what could have been, I guess you could say. And speaking of Crystal Skull, let's move into our next uh, unreleased idea, Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars, which is uh, the first of two drafts for Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. And actually, this was actually uh, kind of thought up in 1993, right after Young Indy had finished up, which is very, very interesting that, uh, you know, Crystal Skull, or at least the first draft of it, was in the works this early, way before Crystal Skull was even released. Yeah, definitely very interesting. A lot of people don't know that, actually, that, yeah, this uh, started getting kind of uh, developed in 1993 here, right after Young Indy was done. Uh, they spent a long time on this first of two drafts called Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars, which starts off with a little bit of a controversial opening as Indy gets uh, married to a brand new character, uh, Elaine McGregor. Uh, kind of interesting there, uh, while Willie, Marion, Short Round, and Sala are actually said to appear at the wedding in this movie. Um, kind of an interesting opening. There was supposedly supposed to be a prologue in which we see how they meet and sort of fall in love. And then, yeah, Indy gets married with Marion there, of all people, and Willie. So kind of an interesting opening, Indy getting married to someone we've never even met before. What do you think about that? It's very, very interesting. I think that, you know, there would have been a little bit of, uh, you know, tension from, uh, you know, Obviously, we know from uh, Raiders that uh, Indy has had a past relationship with Marion, so there would have been a bit of tension there, I think, if Marion was at the wedding. Yeah, definitely. I'm interested to see, like, where'd they come up with that idea? I'm not sure if I'm a huge fan of it, especially, like, I'm fine with introducing new characters, obviously, but getting married in the opening of the movie, I don't know how I feel about that, especially, uh, <laughs> you know, this being just kind of one movie, especially. So uh, the main idea for this was Elaine and Indy would find this stone cylinder with ancient writing that leads them to a secret military base in this sort of lost mountain. Uh, and because of the Cold War, the Soviets would be involved, along with another rival archaeologist who is interested in the mythical power of the artifact. And when I was reading about this, uh, the first thing that came to mind is kind of this uh, motif that we've been talking about in the Further Adventure series, in which a lot of these villains are sort of kind of hungry for power, I guess you could say. We saw that with a lot of the characters that we've been talking about in those great comics from the 80s. Similar idea is uh, kind of alluded to here as well. Uh, and this film would also introduce the idea of flying saucers and aliens. So uh, definitely kind of that element would have uh, kind of originated from this script and then transferred over to Crystal Skull. Yes, definitely. And, you know, uh, here's an interesting thing that did actually end up carrying over to Crystal Skull is the refrigerator scene was originally from this movie. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, <laughs> considering that's easily the most controversial scene in the movie. And yeah, uh, that started in, in the early 90s, folks. That has been there since the very beginning. Very interesting when I found that out. I was like, oh, great. I mean, I think they were trying to be funny with it, and I get where they were going. But yeah, I mean, Indy, you know, surviving this nuclear blast inside a refrigerator and then just kind of walking out like nothing happened. I, was, anyway, we could spend days talking about that scene. That was kind of weird. But um, I, I do like, though, actually, kind of a reference to this. Indy actually does say Saucerman from Mars in Crystal Skull, which is kind of cool, uh, which kind of goes to this title. Um, and the reason this never came to be is Spielberg claimed it was way too similar to the movie that came out in the uh, 90s called Independence Day. 
uh, and he had sort of flying saucers and stuff, and they claim that this was just too similar to what they had already done, and decided to move on to the next script, Indiana Jones and the City of Gods, written by Frank Darabont, uh, who wrote a lot of the Young Indy episodes and uh, the great movie Shawshank Redemption as well. Yes, this is very, very similar to Crystal Skull, or what we know of Crystal Skull today. But there are a few key notable, notable differences, as we will get into a little later. But some of the similarities here are that it takes place in 1957, while Indy finds a Crystal Skull in Peru. Very, very similar, if not the exact same. And he would also find Crystal Skulls that come to life in kind of a secret chamber at the end of the movie, as we also see in Crystal Skull. Yeah, so uh, the main premise for this is very similar to Crystal Skull, and uh, this is probably the most well-known kind of movie that never got uh, made, I guess you could say. Uh, this There was a whole kind of uh, spiel about this uh, after Crystal Skull came out. Um, uh, a lot of people had realized this movie was very similar, and kind of they were upset that Frank Darabont really didn't get credit for it. Um, and yeah, so uh, this is basically very similar to Crystal Skull. Um, the Jeep chase and waterfall scene, the ant attack scene, and Indy's refrigerator escape from the uh, testing facility were all originally from this script as well. So uh, that's kind of where all those scenes from Crystal Skull came from. Uh, they were originally in this one as well. Uh, the characters of Marion and Harold Oxley were also in this script as well. Um, the differences for this movie are very interesting, though. First off, a brand new character named Yuri appears in this script, uh, who betrays Indy as a Soviet agent. And in the first of two drafts for this, Marion and Indy were married and had a 13-year-old daughter. Uh, Spielberg didn't like that idea. So in the second draft, they actually uh, show Marion, who is married to a different archaeologist, kind of interesting. And uh, probably the most notable difference, the characters of Mutt and Irina were never, ever involved in this script at all. So clearly the biggest difference, uh, that probably is why this script is often regarded as a little bit better from Crystal Skull, because those characters were never involved. Yes, and a funny scene that was also included here uh, is Indy is getting recognized by President Dwight Eisenhower while drunken Henry Jones Sr. sings Sinatra's Fly Me to the Moon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally no joke about this. There is a scene at the end of this movie in which there's an epilogue uh, and Indy gets recognized by President Dwight Eisenhower for his sort of efforts in this movie. And yeah, a drunken Henry Jones Sr. sings Sinatra's Fly Me to the Moon. I'm not sure where that idea came from, but yeah, that is in this movie and uh, definitely, I think, uh, would be a funny ending, not gonna lie. I would love to see Henry Jones drunk and just him singing Fly Me to the Moon. I don't know how good slash bad it would be, but I would just be laughing the entire time. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially Sean Connery doing that would be fantastic. <laughs> yes, it'd be hilarious. It would. And um, yeah, so the big issue with this script actually uh, was that Spielberg and Harrison Ford actually loved it. They thought it was the best choice for Crystal Skull, thought it was absolutely remarkable, and George Lucas was actually the holdout here. He had a lot of problems with it, uh, kind of, there was a huge issue in terms of like Lucas and Frank Darabont, kind of, they couldn't really agree on the script, and... Yeah, so uh, the last version of this, I think, was like 2003, and over the next couple years, Lucas basically took that script and we re reworked it into what we know as Crystal Skull today, uh, with various uh, writers and, uh, you know, producers and so on and so forth. So, kind of a shame uh, that this script never became Crystal Skull. A lot of people think, uh, if you actually read this script, that it's much better than Crystal Skull. Uh, doesn't have as much of an emphasis on the aliens and sort of flying saucer aspect. Uh, a lot more tight and doesn't feature Mutt or Irina at all. 
You know, I think this would have been actually a decent movie, especially for Crystal Skull. Um, personally, I don't like Crystal Skull. Some people may. And I think this would have made, you know, maybe even a great addition to Crystal Skull if they had included a bit more, some more of the ideas that were in here in the Crystal Skull that we know today. I completely agree with you. I think when you really look at this script and break it down, I think it's very well done. Um, I'm still not really on board with the whole aliens and flying saucers, but as we know, Lucas was on board with that since 1993. So, <laughs> I mean, there really wasn't any getting around it. And I think City of Gods was the best interpretation of this. Um, I think the Elaine McGregor from Saucerman from Mars was a little bit weird having that character, you know, them married at the beginning and the idea of that. Um, I think the City of Gods, though, I mean, by Frank Darabont, who wrote some of my favorite episodes from Young Indy. Obviously, The Shawshank Redemption, The Walking Dead, very famous guy. I think he would have done a phenomenal job with this, and I would love to kind of learn a little bit more about this. You know, where did his ideas come from? And specifically, why did Lucas not like it? Um, kind of interesting. Obviously, Lucas was very specific about this movie. It took so long for them to make it. Um, but nonetheless, uh, this is... We'll go down in history, I guess, as you could say, as the uh, Indiana Jones movie uh, that should have been. You know, uh, that kind of idea. So... With that said, uh, let's move on now to some of the expanded universe adventures uh, that never got made. Starting off with actually something very familiar to us, Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings. Yes, and in this case we are not talking about the video game, but we are talking about something entirely different. In this case, a book adaptation of it, which is again entirely different, and an Xbox uh, console version, which is again entirely different from the Wii and PS2 version that we have been reviewing. Yeah, so there was originally an entirely different version of Staff of Kings that was going to come out. Uh, the basic premise of it was actually the same. Um, but yeah, there was an Xbox version and a book adaptation that was going to be made, both of which got canceled, unfortunately. And the reason this is kind of interesting is actually, uh, if you've ever seen the promotional trailers and sort of concept art images, uh, they actually sort of advertise this version that we don't actually see today, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and there was also cover art for the book adaptation as well. Um, so yeah, kind of two fun facts in terms of Staff of Kings uh, that we're going to sort of add to the release of it. Um, again, uh, you know, Staff of Kings is a fantastic game, and it's kind of interesting to think that they were going to have uh, a lot more going on with this game at its release date, and uh, that didn't actually happen, unfortunately. So um, moving on to the other video game, which a lot of people have always really wanted to see, is what was supposedly supposed to be an original sequel to Fate of Atlantis, Indiana Jones and the Iron Phoenix, uh, which actually uh, had a comic adaptation uh, made to it soon after they decided not to make the game. Uh, and three of the four comics actually follow the original exact idea for the video game, but the fourth one changes the ending a little bit. So uh, it is kind of nice that although we didn't get this great video game that was going to be a phenomenal sequel to Fate of Atlantis, uh, we did get a comic adaptation to Iron Phoenix. Yes, you know, I think that, you know, maybe if I had played, if I played the game of Fate of Atlantis and then read the comics, maybe, you know, there would be, maybe if there's some jokes or references in there to Fate of Atlantis, that'd be really, really cool to see, you know, kind of the sequel there. Yeah, I'm not sure if the character of uh, Sophia Hapgood was going to be in this. Uh, she was obviously in Fate of Atlantis, and I'm not sure if that would have carried over here. She obviously appears in Thunder of the Orient, another great comic series. So kind of interesting to think about uh, what was going to happen there. There was some concept art for the game as well, uh, and some kind of cover for Iron Phoenix. It was uh, heav heavily advertised as well, so it was going to uh, be released. I think it was because of, again, low sales on the video games. They decided to just cancel it and move on to other things. Um, so yeah, so now let's move into uh, some comic ideas that were going to be released. We've talked about this one before in our Abner Ravenwood character study, 
Indiana Jones and the Lost Horizon, which was a Dark Horse comic that went unpublished. Uh, the main premise of this was set in 1926, uh, in which there would be a prologue with Belloc, actually. And then Indy would, of course, meet Abner in Tibet and find the Staff of Ra with him. Yes, very interesting. I, you know, this kind of is basically almost kind of a prologue to Raiders, I guess, is what it probably would have been, which is very, very interesting. And uh, the comic would also feature Indy taking the headpiece from a warlord, which is originally part of uh, an early draft of Raiders, as I said, you know, kind of a little bit of a prologue to Raiders. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to put it because this comic is very fascinating to me. There was cover art made, uh, and this was going to be a multiple issue series, but unfortunately, low sales in other comics led to its cancellation. Uh, the, this was definitely advertised as well. They were getting very excited about this comic. And yeah, I mean, come on. Belloc in here with a prologue. You meet Abner for the very first time. It would have been his first ever true appearance, I guess you could say. He was always considered for Temple of Doom and Last Crusade, but of course, uh, never actually made it in there. So this would have been his first official appearance had the comics went on. And yeah, like you said, uh, kind of cool in terms of finding the Staff of Ra. Uh, Indy's college years, you know, 1926. Ooh, that would be a great comic that I think would make uh, even a fantastic movie too as well. Yes, I definitely agree. And, you know, I, as you said, this would have been the first appearance of Abner, which we mentioned in our Abner Ravenwood character study. You know, we never, as we mentioned in our character study, we've never seen Abner, but I would love to. There's only one or two, you know, kind of uh, pictures of what he might actually look like from uh, some concept art. And I wonder if one of them is actually the concept art from this. Indeed it is, and actually I'll post it on the Facebook page today so you guys can see it. Uh, there was uh, The cover for the comic was actually made, and that was the first ever drawing of Abner Ravenwood. It looks really, really awesome, so if you want to check that out, head on over to our Facebook page, like us and follow us there, and you can see uh, that great image that I'll uh, kind of put over on there as well. So uh, yeah, so moving into another unpublished Dark Horse comic, Indiana Jones and the Jungle Queen. Uh, this we don't know a lot about. There was concept art drawn for this as well, and the basic premise was Indy meets a female adventurer named Emily, and they both travel to the jungle and fight against two villains and a gorilla. And uh, the person who actually drew the concept art for this uh, did actually release photos of this as well, which looks really, really awesome. But other than that, we don't know much about this one. Kind of an interesting sort of mysterious story. Yeah, two villains and a gorilla? A gorilla? Really? Right. <laughs> I mean, Indy doesn't fight animals in any of his movies or TV shows, does he? Not really, yeah. It would have been interesting to see, like, what was the idea here? Uh, on the cover art, you can actually see that there's two villains who are going to work together in this one. Brand new character named Emily, and yeah, this idea of this gorilla who was uh, on the cover art as well. I'm not sure how the gorilla was going to be involved, but kind of <laughs> a cool story uh, in terms of, like, Indy in the jungle. Would love to kind of see yeah. that. Uh, would have been a very interesting comic. And again, the title there, The Jungle Queen, sounds very uh, kind of intriguing. Yeah, definitely. You know, I wonder if the gorilla kind of was going to be King Kong, you know, grabs Emily and brings her to the top of the Empire State Building or something. You know, that's kind of, I mean, a gorilla? Really? You could yeah, have picked any other animal, but a gorilla? <laughs> you know, I think you bring up a good point. That may be kind of like their version of King Kong. Like, I'm not sure if that's what they were going for there. But, I mean, especially it's set in the jungle. I mean, why not? I mean, that would be very interesting. And, uh, yeah, so moving into the other comic that was unpublished by Dark Horse uh, was called Indiana Jones and the Dance of Death. Uh, and this also was the basic premise was set in 1940, which is a very interesting time period. I think that's one year before Spear of Destiny, if I remember correctly. And uh, in this one, Indy goes to an island in the Indian Ocean and 
fights off a zombie apocalypse of all things while escaping this earthquake. Uh, and although this was unpublished, uh, the events of this are actually mentioned in the first sort of a cohesive timeline for Indy that was published in the uh, early 90s, the World of Indiana Jones Sourcebook. Um, and so how do you feel about a zombie apocalypse? Kind of an interesting basic story to Indiana Jones and the Dance of Death. Kind of reminds me of Crystal Skull, honestly. I mean, yeah, it's not a zombie apocalypse so much as it is a bunch of uh, mythical skulls coming to life. But in a way, it kind of, you know, uh, does remind me of Crystal Skull in a way, I guess. I don't like the premise of what this was going to be. I don't think a zombie apocalypse would be very good. I agree with you. I have to agree with you on that one. I don't think a zombie apocalypse works well with uh, Indiana Jones. I do find it intriguing the time period, 1940. Love that year uh, when you look at the complete time, and that would have been a really interesting event in there. Also, who would have been involved? Uh, it's not known if there were any villains or characters coming back. Uh, the events of this are mentioned in that source book, like I mentioned. I'm not sure if there's more details on that in there uh, than what uh, I just remember here, but uh, kind of interesting there as well. And... Um, Last but not least, uh, the Further Adventures of Indiana Jones comic series was originally going to publish a 35th issue. Uh, no one really knows what it was going to be, and of course Dark, Dark Horse uh, bought the rights to the comics and ended up creating their series, and we never got the 35th issue and still have 34 of them. Um, and that about wraps up our discussion of the Forgotten Adventures of Indiana Jones. They are certainly gone, but not forgotten. So uh, let's kind of do an overview of this. Uh, kind of taking into consideration all the stuff that we talked about today, all the things that we learned, do we think any of these should eventually be resurrected, so to speak, into future movies and video games? What are our thoughts about these adventures uh, that we have here? Honestly, I think, you know, these should be decided on what happens with Indy 5. Maybe they could, you know, bring back the Indiana Jones uh, franchise with some of these, maybe resurrecting some of these and changing them around just a bit. Maybe Jungle Queen could have been a very, very interesting. Uh, you know, the Staff of Kings book or Xbox version, those would also be interesting. And even, you know, Indiana Jones and the, and the City of Gods, those would also be a really great movie, you know, uh, if they had changed a couple of things around. So, all in all, I think it really depends on what Indy 5 is going to be like, and maybe that, maybe, you know, after Indy 5, they will decide to bring back some of these. You know, you bring up a great point, uh, because that actually kind of segues into a future episode we're going to do in a few weeks here, in which we kind of expand upon this idea and finally give our discussion of Indiana Jones 5 and sort of the future of Indy. What's going to happen? You know, uh, obviously things have changed over the years, and Indy 5 is still on the way, but what will happen? Will there be new video games? Uh, will comics kind of come back into fashion here? Uh, will there be new standalone movies or TV shows? And to be honest, some of these ideas are very intriguing. For me, I'm a big fan of kind of behind the scenes stuff and references and uh, sort of little hints at uh, things that have already kind of happened in the indie universe. I would love to see a movie or a comic or a video game of Indiana Jones and the Lost Horizon. To see Abner for the very first time, to learn about how Indy gets the Staff of Ra, that prologue with Belloc, I mean, that would really get things cooking for me. I mean, that to me is the Thanksgiving dinner of kind of uh, things that I'd be looking for. And now that I said that out loud, I don't know why I said that analogy. That makes absolutely no sense. But uh, I think it would be a really cool idea to have the Lost Horizon uh, kind of brought back to life. I would love to see what they could do with that in terms of any 
sort of media on the Vindiana Jones. And like you said, I think that uh, kind of dinosaur idea could be fascinating too. Um, obviously, lots of controversy from these ideas, uh, which makes sense since none of these actually came to be and sort of were debated at times. But, um, you know, I love kind of talking about what were the ideas and how does this change our perception of Indiana Jones? I mean, think about it. Had these been uh, movies or comics, I think it would have changed what we know as Indiana Jones today, which is a little bit intriguing as well. You know, I think if they had done in the Further Adventures of Indiana Jones number 35, the last 35th comic of the Further Adventures, I think that would have really, you know, kind of, that would have really been a very interesting comic. Especially if, you know, all the comics before kind of are in sequential order and built off each other, which, uh, they're not. But I think that if they were like that, maybe that, you know, number 34 was a part one and this was a part two, I think that would have been really, really cool. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think it would have been cool to have kind of like an end-all, be-all kind of comic for the Further Adventures series, and who knows, maybe that uh, would have been this. And uh, there are lots of possibilities and lots of things to think about for the Forgotten Adventures of Indiana Jones. So uh, that about wraps up today's episode. Uh, hopefully you all enjoyed this episode and learned about some of these ideas uh, for the original indie movies and expanded universe comics and video games. Uh, if there's one maybe we didn't mention or left out that you think is worth noting, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know over on our Facebook page as well. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, uh, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other podcast platforms. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about our podcast, you can visit our website at www.theindianajonesuniverse.com. We've got all our podcast episodes listed there for your listening convenience, as well as a great links page if you want to learn more about the expanded universe of Indiana Jones. And finally, to stay up to date on news and announcements and be part of the indie community here, make sure to like us and follow us over on our Facebook page. You can find us there at the Indiana Jones Universe Podcast. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Once again, I'm Max. And I'm Will. And until next time, so long, Dr. Jones. Jones.